for far too long. We've been told what to do, what to think, how to be. No more. The old paradigm is crumbling, falling all around us. Burn it all. It's my mission to bring you back to your natural state of luxury, to lead you to an empowered place with energetic intention. Luxury is a personal, expansive experience, one that's been kept from you, hidden away, a soul experience broken into a million pieces. Luxuriously fierce is for those who know there's more, who desire more, even if you don't know what more is. It's for those who are ready to burn old paradigms to the ground and walk through the flames to the other side. For those who are ready to be bold in their being, fierce in their feminine. Luxuriously Fierce is not just a brand, it's a movement. It's not something I do, it's something I am. Together, we are setting fire to the old and forging a new path. A new world. One where openness and truth are the norm. Where changing the world begins with healing yourself. If you're here on this earth, in this lifetime, to light a fire and burn everything you believe to be true to the ground, welcome to my world. Burn it all and watch the ashes fly. Welcome back to the Luxuriously Fierce podcast. I am so excited today to be sitting down with Carrie Cowell. Carrie works as the anti-soulmate love coach. She helps people break free from harmful romantic re- ro- romantic conditioning so that they can create relationships rooted in liberation, safety, and vulnerability. Carrie specializes in relationships out- outside of the monogamous norm And she brings her 22 years of lived experience in non-monogamy and kink BDSM along with a graduated level education. Welcome to the show. I'm really excited that you're here. This is the first conversation of its kind on the podcast. I've had people on talking about relationships and sex, but never from a, you know, kink BDSM or a non-monogamous point of view. So I'm really excited and welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm extra excited now to know that I'm like the first person to come on here to talk about. You're the first. You are the trailblazer. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start. Can you tell us just about you and who is Carrie and how did you get from from where you were to where you are now and, and all the things? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I feel like I've taken such a long journey. So let me see if I can create like the walnut sized version of this. <laughs> so my name is Carrie Lou Cowell. I work as the anti-soulmate love coach. I don't use pronouns. So just refer to me as Carrie. And really I got here. It's so funny that like now that you've asked this question, because one of my childhood friends got married this past weekend and my high school 
sweetheart, my ex high school sweetheart was there at the wedding because we all hung out together as kids and stayed friends through this person who got married. But he was actually the one who got me started on my non-monogamy journey, not because he's non-monogamous, but because I was a 17 year old shit and like super (laughs) horny. And I cheated on him so many times. And like, I've always had this really strong sense of ethics, but I was also like, but I like this person and I want to sleep with them. And I like this person and I want to sleep with them. And then we tried to do long distance. And I was like, I moved from, so I grew up in Wisconsin and then I moved to Los Angeles and it was total like culture shock, like so many different people, so many new, exciting people. And I was like, well, I like these people too. And I want to sleep with them. And I was like, how do I do this? And not like, hurt somebody or like Mm. cheat on them and do this in an ethical way. And so like I started exploring, like when I started my non-monogamous journey, I knew that like open relationships were a thing. So that's kind of what I did throughout college. And then after I graduated from college, I had a, a couple friend, they were married and they were polyamorous. So I started learning more about polyamory. And then like that kind of opened the door on like, just non-monogamy in general and like swinging and polyamory and open relationships. And I love that there are so many more labels and definitions that people can identify with when it, in when it pertains, as it pertains to like non-monogamy, because if they were around when I was younger, I graduated from college in 2004. I feel like a lot of these terms like were not, they definitely weren't like public knowledge, right? They weren't very common. If they were even around at all, like currently I identify as a relationship anarchist, which is really like creating relationships, you know, that work, like creating relationship agreements that work for the people you are in relationship with and not necessarily like defining like friendships or romance or sex in the way that we've been taught to define it, like in our, like what the societal norm is. Right. So, but that, even that like term wasn't really coined until like 2014. So it's still relatively new. Yeah. That's very new. Yeah. So that, that's kind of how I got here. <laughs> you know, I just, I didn't, I feel like there's so much more support for people now, like with the work that I do with other non-monogamy coaches, there's so many more books and like podcasts and like social media out on non-monogamy. Whereas like my journey was really kind of fumbling through and being like, oh, this didn't work. So let me try something else. And it was a lot of like experimentation. And I feel very grateful that like early on in like my adult relationships, like I had people who kind of guided me, not like in non-monogamy, but just in how to have like healthy, cohesive, like integrative relationships in general, because that's not something that I learned from my parents. So like I, it was a lot of like, let me jump into the deep end and like figure this out on my own. Let's see if I can swim. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. I love that so much. I love, like, I love that you just just dove in and, like, swam, right? Like, see see how deep you can go before, before you start to fumble a little bit and then, you know, go at your own pace sort of thing because 
in relationships in general across like whatever your relationships look like partnerships friendships relationships in general that is that is missing from all of them and I would argue for any relationship that you have to know how you want to navigate that relationship so that means that you have to know you you have to know what you like and what it is you desire acknowledge what you desire right like you acknowledge like hey I want to sleep with this person and that person and here like here's this couple and and they want to be with me too and like okay and you know dip your toe into all these different waters to to figure out what it is that you desire what it is that you like what is it you want in any kind of relationship and i love that i feel like that's a big that's a big missing piece we just like you said none of this was taught by our parents or certainly not generations before them we're just now we're just now doing this. We're just now figuring the shit out and breaking those rules, those quote unquote rules of anything that you've been taught, which is for most of us, a relationship exists between a man and a woman. And you just have that one partner for your whole life. You marry your high school sweetheart and you don't have sex until you're married. And you certainly don't have sex with more than one person and, you know, all the bullshit and all of it. Yeah. And I just I just love that. We're now in this space. Where it seems like like everyone is just like, fuck that. Like, no. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think it's well, and this is the thing, right? Like, and this is why I don't necessarily like market myself as like a specifically non-monogamous coach because I feel like there are a lot of tenets and guidelines in non-monogamy that are so applicable to having healthy equitable monogamous relationships too because when Mm -hmm. you enter into non-monogamy it really is I mean if you're if you want to do it ethically right like it's a lot of communication it's a lot of creating boundaries and agreements within your relationships and like figuring out like what works for you and that and that needs to happen in monogamous relationships as well because we do have this like superscript of what a monogamous relationship looks like and we don't and which is you know like date marriage or I guess it's 2022. So like dating, move in together, get ma- get engaged, get married, have kids, you know, whatever. And some of those pieces are like kind of interchangeable, but there really is like this like trajectory once you get on in, in the non-monogamous world, it's called the relationship escalator. Once you step on that with somebody, there is this trajectory that everyone expects you to follow. And maybe you don't want to follow that even. So I kind of, I prefer like either relationship anarchy or just like the general broader term of non-monogamy because I kind of I'm very fluid. So like most of the reason I'm non-monogamous is because I just meet a lot of people like I work in the service industry on top of my coaching. I teach yoga. I used to work at a bar like pre-COVID. So I meet hundreds of people every week. And Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, if you're meeting, maybe not obviously, but like at least for me, if you're meeting that many people like every single week, eventually someone comes along and you're like, oh, OK, like there might be something here and it might be fun to explore. And that's like the biggest reason I'm non-monogamous. I'm not actively 
looking for multiple people to date because I, I that sounds exhausting to me. But like, <laughs> but somebody inevitably will fall into my lap and come into my life, and I'm like, oh, this could be fun to like have like some romance with or have sex with or like I have a lot of like childhood friends that we do have like romantic sexy vibes with again very fluid so like when we you know when we're visiting each other there might be like a makeout session or a cuddle session or things that like you know what we stereotypically think of as like friendship does not involve so that's like really the biggest reason I'm non-monogamous it doesn't have to be like oh I'm having sex with a lot of people or oh I'm dating a lot of people at the same time but what's my point right like my point is like we're Like, even if you're monogamous, there's still a script to that that doesn't work for everybody. And there are really still is this mindset that monogamy is the only thing. So I think there's a lot of people, especially now that people like myself and like other non-monogamy coaches and people who are non-monogamous are coming out on like social media and like more publicly, people are starting to realize that like there are things other than monogamy. And I feel like for some people, monogamy doesn't work. But because we've been told this is the only way you can be in a relationship with people, that's when that's when people start to exhibit unethical behaviors like cheating and lying. And because there's just a lot of shame there because you're like, you know, even in dating, right? Like even if you're not in a relationship, but you're dating around, like there's still a lot of shame if somebody's just like, I just want to have a good time. I don't really, I'm not really looking for a relationship. I just want to have sex with you. And maybe also like a bunch of other people, right? Like, <laughs> I feel like we should be able to say that and have that be okay. Yeah. And the boundary comes with like you saying, that's not what I want. So like, good luck to you. I'm out, you know, that's the boundary. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just bring up like so many points that I want to <laughs> I love that. And uh, boundaries are, I mean, they're so important for like literally every single aspect of your whole life. For me, the biggest key when it comes to boundaries is like, they're not for other people, Mm -hmm. right? So you, you set a boundary and it's for you and it's not for other people to be like, well, that doesn't make sense or, well, that's ridiculous or that's stupid, whatever, like whatever they're going to say to you. Your boundaries are for you. They're not to please other people. And it's like, if someone sets a boundary with you, instead of knocking that person down or making them feel ridiculous for, for setting that boundary, because one, that's how our society runs basically is where we just we we don't give a fuck about anyone's boundaries and two we we just boundaries are so hard they're so hard it's when you've been programmed the way that our society has been programmed it's so hard to one even know what boundaries you need to set for yourself and then once you do that work and you figure it out and then you start setting boundaries and people try so hard to knock you down. It's so disheartening. It's so disheartening and it's so easy to just be like, okay, well, I'll drop my boundary for you. Yeah. Or, I'll, you know, I'll let it slide this time. And that's, and that is also unethical. It's unethical to yourself, to your being. Right. And that's when you start doing things that you don't want to do, like you said, like cheating and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it also becomes 
a shadow, a shadow like in the way that you you keep yourself small. Like when you start dropping your boundaries for people or when you start instead of being open and, and honest and open in your communication, you when you start to keep it all in, you keep yourself small, you keep yourself in the the rules, the boxes of society, right? And it's just it that is unethical for you and your being. Yes, one hundred percent. Like, it, hold on, disrespecting people's boundaries, shame, coercion, and people pleasing are just so deeply ingrained in our cultural zeitgeist that, of course, it's easy to drop your boundaries people please bother other people about their boundaries and like shame other people for their desires it's so easy because that is what that's what we're taught and that's what we're taught especially in like really any intimate relationship whether that's family or romance or like really close friendships because how many you know how many people put on this like big wedding ceremony reception whatever whatever and end up inviting like hundreds of people that they don't want to invite because you know, their parents want, you know, some mom's friends, cousin, whatever. <laughs> and and how and how many people, you know, get so upset, like kind of like what you we were talking about, where people are like, oh, that's ridiculous. Your boundary is ridiculous. Why are you why do you feel this way or why do you think this way? Or even like, right, expressing your desire, say, you know, saying like, I'm not interested in a relationship. I just want to sleep with people like how, we we vilify people for shit like that all the time. Yeah. And it, it's, we done. Yeah. Like, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. We're done with that. It's, you know, I really started learning, like, just a, a personal side note. I really started learning about, like, polyamory in university when I, I minored in anthropology. And so in anthropology, you start learning about, you know, different cultures at, across different tribes and different parts of the yeah. world. And I remember just, I feel like before that time, I don't remember really any conversation in any capacity about, you know, being polyamorous or anything at all in that capacity. And I just remember learning about that in university and like, we had to like write papers and read books and, and stories. And I just remember being like, how how did we get to where we are now? Christianity. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know the answer. Uh, yeah. but... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's so it's so disheartening that we've now I mean not now, but in this middle point where we've gone from just openness in all capacities in across all cultures, just this pure openness to strict rules and boxes. And this is the way it is. And if you don't fit into this mold and if you don't blah, 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 then you're out, you're like ostracized from everyone, from the people who are supposed to love you the most. Yes. Right. And now we're we're seeing this revival. Like anytime I like see someone 
talking about, you know, being queer or, you know, a member of the LGBTQ community or polyamorous or into BDSM or kink, whatever it is, I'm just like, yeah, roots, baby, roots. <laughs> right? Even if you look at like the animal kingdom, and I know there are some people who get upset when humans are called animals, but we are absolutely animals. Like yeah. we're animals. That is, we're just part of the animal kingdom. <laughs> right, exactly. But like, even if you look at the animal kingdom, some animals are what we would consider like non-monogamous or polyamorous, right? They have mm-hmm. sex with a bunch of people because that's just part of their nature, right? And and whether, and you can, we can argue all day long about monogamy or non-monogamy and which one is more natural. And it doesn't fucking matter. I mean, it's 2022, you know, we have the complex and nuanced human brains that we have. So we get to choose, like we get to choose how we want to do these things. and. And I think that's really like where a lot of people get disempowered because we forget that we have this choice. And, and I, you know, I, I want to highlight that, like, yes, sometimes these choices create more or not more, but they can create like ostracization, ostracization and like, you know, feelings of kind of be like being kicked out of the group and right that on some level is part of the journey of liberating yourself from all of the things that we've taught are normal or the things that we quote unquote like should do because if if the people who are currently in your life cannot accept you the way that you are if you're if you're you know liberating yourself and like expressing yourself in the way that feels authentic to you they're really not the people for you and and you know it's I know it's so much easier to say that than it is to go through that so I do want to highlight that but but I have found like in my journey and the journey that I've seen my clients go through and you know the my friends who also have taken up you know whatever it is that they're taking up in their authenticity journey like it 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 creates so much more space for the people who will love you exactly as you are mm-hmm. and I've had just like personally like I've, I'm so grateful because I have always had like very accepting friends but I've also had people who have like come in and out of my life because of varying things that I've done that they don't agree with and honestly like none of that's been non-monogamy like I lost a friend so I have again like I have a graduate level education I was getting my doctorate in clinical psychology and I was like halfway through my program and I was like you know what this isn't for me I loved the work that I did but I couldn't I was working in the juvenile justice system and I just couldn't be in that system but there was also no other work like in the psychology field that I wanted to do at that time So I was like, I can't be in the system without being incredibly depressed. So I need to leave. And like just me leaving grad school, like caused me to lose a couple of friends, even though that was like what was true and authentic to me. So it's like, you know, there are going to be people who disagree with the things that you do anyways. And it doesn't even have to be outside of the norm, right? Like it could be like something completely within the societal structures we've set up and people are going to disagree with you and you're going to lose friends. Or, you know, people are going to be mad at you. So if they're going to be mad at you anyways, you might as well do the things that you're going to do. And the people (laughs) who love you, the people who love you and not the things that you're doing will stay. They'll stay. I've had, you know, my friend who just got married this weekend, 
I remember telling him that my current partner that I live with and I like opened up our relationship during the pandemic of all times. That was, that's a story for maybe another later on or like another another episode. And when I told my childhood friend about this, he was like, was that your decision or was that his? And I'm like, you know, like we've known each other since we were 15 or 16 years old and I'm 40 now. So we've known each other most of our lives. So I'm like, you know what the answer to this question is. And I'm like, you know, it was me. And he's like, that's what I thought, but I didn't want to assume. And I'm like, you know, there's a person who's been in my life for like 25 years or so. And I'm like, you know, and and regardless of their, because they're much more traditional, you know, like I said, they just got married and they've wanted kids, you know, their whole life and all this stuff. But they accept me for who I am. And there are people out there who will accept you for who you are. And there's so much comfort and joy in those relationships because you aren't hiding anything. And when you say things like, oh, we opened up our relationship or, oh, I did this thing, like they're not surprised and it doesn't matter because they're like, cool, I got you. Like, what do you need? You know? Yeah. And that's it's such a beautiful thing, isn't it? Like to Mm -hmm. have those people in your life. And like you said, it doesn't matter what you do. Someone will always take up issue with you. It doesn't matter what you do at all. Now, that's really funny that you left grad school and people were like, what the hell? I yeah. went to grad school and people were like, what the hell? What the- <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. And if they're going to talk, you might as well give them something to talk about. It, right. And I just... I'm now at a place in my life and it's taken me a long time to get here. It's taken me a long time to to know what boundaries I needed to set, to know how I needed to approach certain people and really speak to certain people. Right. But I'm now at a place where. I if we disagree on something, great, I, I don't care. You know, I don't care that we disagree on something or I don't care that we live different lifestyles or limited whatever 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 it is that comes up it doesn't matter what matters is how you treat that person what matters is how you show up for them and show up for yourself and there will be instances where you know someone sets a boundary or you set a boundary and you know just recently I had a a friend I haven't talked to for almost a year now but she set a boundary with me and that's fine. Set your boundary. I can respect your boundary. But then came the manipulation. If you don't do this, then this will happen. You should really do this. You should. I can't. Let's do like if you don't. And that's when I was like, nope. I can respect your boundary. And there will be times where you can respect someone's boundary. But they're just, they're not meant to be. A part of your life any longer and that's beautiful too right. because like you said people leave and it opens up space for the people who really see you and can hold space for you because that's that's really all this is is openness in holding space for people the way that they are and if you can't do that walk away from them right 100 percent. well and i think too like we we are so entrenched right in these in this very binary thinking in this good, bad, right? That we lose sight of the nuance and complexity of just like humanity and being human because it 
it, especially with like romance and sex and like really like any intimate close relationship, there is like, well, this is good and this is bad when really it just is like there's nothing that's really good or bad as, as long as like what right with the caveat as long as you're not harming yourself or somebody else right okay. uh, but there's no good or bad there just is and people are going to do what they're going to do and they're going to be who they're going to be and you just let them be whatever that is and if that works for you great and if it doesn't great then you know like where you know you need to go or not go or like what role this person plays in your life and and on top of that really like especially because we've been talking about boundaries a lot like there are always consequences to your actions so like somebody setting a boundary like if you do this thing then I will not x or I will do something else or whatever right like I think about this a lot in terms of like unbarrier sex right because that can come up a lot like in non-monogamous relationships it's just like well if you have sex without a barrier with ex partner, then I won't have sex with you for like until you get tested or whatever. Right. It's not there's nothing inherently wrong or bad or in saying that as in setting that as your boundary. And there's also nothing wrong or inherently bad if you choose not to do that or like like respect that boundary. But there's always consequences and those consequences can't be positive or negative. But like somebody gets to say, like, yeah, if you do this thing, I'm not going to be around or I'm not going to give you this thing and that's okay and we need to stop like as a society really like stop shaming and vilifying people who set their boundaries and when it it's like in the context of an interpersonal relationship especially when you have like multiple interpersonal relationships that involve like fluid bonding and like sex and things like that and safety really right like health it needs to be okay we need to stop vilifying that somebody gives consequences for certain behaviors because there's nothing wrong with that it, but it is still like on the other person to decide right this is where that choice comes in again this empowered choice to decide like okay cool like do I want to get tested you know a couple more times before I have sex with you know, this partner who has set this boundary or is it just easier or would I rather like have barriered sex instead, right? That's still a choice. And I think we forget that everything that we do in life every is, is a choice. Like we have so many choices. And I think we forget because a lot of times it doesn't feel like a choice because we've been taught that boundaries are bad and we've been taught that like consequences are bad when really it's like, well, I'm keeping myself safe so you can go do whatever you want. And if you go do that thing that is going to affect my health and safety, then we're not going to do this thing. And that, and that has to be okay. But you still have the choice of, well, I'm going to go do this thing and I know what the consequences are, or I'm not going to do this thing and I know what the consequences are, right? So it's just like kind of this like fluid shifting thing and you still get to decide what you, what you want, like what you want to do with that. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Like, just everything that, that we do is a choice. Every single day. Like, from the moment you wake up, it's a mm -hmm. choice whether you brush your teeth right away or whether you eat breakfast first and then brush your teeth. Right. Like, literally, literally every single thing that you do is a choice. And it's, you know, when it comes to relationships, it's, it's about safety. It's about communication. And that comes from knowing what feels safe and what is and what is good for you right and like what how you feel safe in your body and how you feel safe in a relationship and what you need from that partner 
and just the communication of all of that. And we just as a society in general, we don't we don't know what is safe for ourselves, for our being, because we've been told what is safe for us and our being. And we don't have we don't hold space for people to one, figure that out for themselves mm-hmm. and to communicate that openly without shame, without judgment, without guilt, without manipulation or coercion. And as I mean, we've seen a lot of that, especially recently in the in the last few years, but just I I really sometimes I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it why like what <laughs> i don't get it well i think there's this big disconnect well first of all there's a big push for logistics right for analysis and logic and i don't know how to describe it but like being centered quote unquote and by that i mean like stoic and and unemotional and we vilified emotions just like in our cultural zeitgeist right and also so there's this push for logic and like stoicism and unemotionalness and there's also this like disconnect that we have between our brains and our bodies which is directly related to this push for logic and analysis right and i mean again like this is where the discernment process comes in because Yes, we're communal creatures. We are wired to relate and get support from our community and the people in our community. And also, we cannot always be getting support from our community because we need to learn to support ourselves. So it's kind of a full. And somewhere in there, especially with like romance and intimate relationships, I feel like we've lost that discernment process because it's it's again very binary it's either well i'm taking care of myself and this is the only thing i'm doing and i don't i am only going to take care of myself and and all of the shit that comes up right whether it's like anxiety or insecurity or like whatever or or i feel like it's this other side of like i feel anxious i feel insecure so i'm always going to seek out soothing from somebody else and and you need both because you can't put all of that on one person or even one community you also can't put that on yourself you need to find that balance and integration of both and especially when you know when I'm working with my clients it's like okay have you taken care of yourself first before you seek out you know that care from other people because I see a lot like with my clients and like in the dating space specifically like oh, well, I haven't heard from this person, you know, in like an hour or five hours or 24 hours. I'm like, well, people have lives. And if you're dating, and again, nuanced, but especially in the early stages of dating, you're basically strangers. So like, why do you expect somebody to give up their time and energy for you when you don't know each other i swear to god texting has like ruined like everything like texting and social media has ruined everything when it comes to like romance and dating yes it's good because there are some predatory people out there but i think Mm -hmm. i mean there's a whole lot again there's so much to this but like i think 
on some level, like the predatory, like the actual predatory people, right? Not the people who are acting from shame or because we've vilified specific things in like romance and dating, but the actual predatory people are probably very few and far between. And a lot of the other behavior like ghosting or cheating or like not expressing your desires really comes from this like shame and vilification that we've put on on certain desires, right? Like if you want to be a hoe, like I'm pro hoe. But like (laughs) if you want to be a hoe, we've been taught and it doesn't even matter like what like what gender you are or how you identify. Like if you're pro hoe, like we've been taught that that's bad. Like nobody should be a hoe. A little bit more acceptable if you're like a bachelor or like a cis hat, you know, single dude, a little bit more acceptable, but not really. But not really, right? Like because there comes a time where people are like, oh, well, you're XYZ age or you're, you know, you're this thing now, like whatever, you should stop being a hoe, right? Like, Really, like if you want to be a hoe for the rest of your life, like please have at it, but just be honest about it. And I think if we all, you know, if and I always tell people this, I'm like, look, if if what you want to do is hoe around, like do it and state that up front because that will weed out all the people who are not interested. Or what it could do is like bring you somebody who might be interested for now, right? Like there have been times where I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for something serious, but like, yeah, I'll hoe around with you for now, like until I find the serious thing or like, you know, maybe I'll just hoe around with you and that'll be our relationship and I'll have a serious relationship somewhere else and that's okay too, right? Yeah, it's just, it's all about you and your desires and yeah, that's totally literally like what all of this comes back to. I, I had to laugh to myself a little bit when you were talking about like the, the texting thing. It's so true where you just like sit on your phone and you're just like, why aren't they texting me back? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, and then, or, but then you get a message from them and then you wait to message them back because yep. you don't want to seem needy. You don't want it to look like you were yes. sitting like waiting on your phone when really you were. But it struck me because like, I mean, I mean, what you do is help decondition people from this like harmful romantic relationship conditioning that we all have, this program that we all have. And I had to laugh to myself because I was like, I wonder how many people go to you thinking that the other person is the one with the harmful conditioning. And when actually in actuality, it's them. Yeah. <laughs> we all we all have it i have like we all have it and the thing is like especially given like the world that we live in today like we will always have it it's just like where are you at in that process in that journey of like dredging up all the shit right (laughs) like i've been at this for uh, 17 27 so like i mean like 20 some odd years right like i think 25 years now i'm not a math person but somewhere around there like 20 to 25 years and even now i'm like oh, this small thing or this like thought process that I have so conditioned and steeped in like monogamy and like that, like, you know, cis het relationship structure that we've all been taught. And like, and yeah, texting has created so much anxiety around communication and dating and like intimacy. And we feel like, there is intimacy if we're texting all the time or mm-hmm. if we're 
getting to know each other, like having deep conversations over text, which I do not recommend. Like don't have deep conversations over text. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't actually, it, it creates a feeling of intimacy, but doesn't actually create the intimacy that we are craving. And um, like my tip, right, for everybody is like, and this is where the discernment process comes in. But you have to discern, like, am I texting from anxiety or am I texting from desire? Because there is a difference. And I'm not sure sometimes, and I know, like, sometimes it's hard for me, too, which is why I say this. Like, I'm not sure if we always know which one it is because we've been taught that, like, if they're texting you all the time, it means they like you. Mm-hmm. And I even with my partner that I live with right now, and even some new partners that come into my life, right? Like I have to remind myself, like one of the things that I did before I moved in with this partner that I live with is I wrote down like all the things I wanted. And I hate being on my phone. I don't want to be texting somebody all day. I have no desire to do it. Even if I've known you for like 20 years, like I absolutely drop off the face of the planet when it comes to texting for like, (laughs) like, honestly, like truly. And so I said, like, I don't want someone who texts me all the time. And like when we first started dating, like he would text me every few days or we would text every few days or it would like, you know, we'd have a bunch of texts and then we'd fall off for a couple of days or whatever. And, and it did create anxiety in me because the norm, right, the norm, quote unquote, is that if somebody likes you, they text you all the time. And so I had to move through that process of like, oh, I've really like taken on what we have what we are now calling the norm even though it's not even what i want yeah right like i'm so excited is that texting me all the time i don't even want this i don't want someone texting me all the time why is this making me so anxious and it is because we are so conditioned mm-hmm. to have this constant communication and and sometimes sometimes the thing to do is wait to text back because if it if your response or your initiation is coming from anxiety don't sit with the discomfort of not doing the thing because that is what helps break that pattern well and not only does it help break that pattern it helps you expand as a person right it expands the space that you are open to and it's that is hilarious like it's so it's so true where like someone messes you back on instagram and they're like Mm -hmm. they like me like (laughs) you're just like and you fall you fall into that you know what's really funny i don't know if you're an astrology person at all i love it yeah um, okay okay good okay good because today i had to like look up this post so that i don't mess this up but today so today we're recording this thursday september 29th today the moon is in scorpio sextile to neptune and venus so and our venus sound conjunct so what this like means in in terms of like love and and fantasy and romance is if there is someone that you think about all the time or there's like a fantasy that you like replay in your head all the time particularly in areas of, of love and romance and relationships if there's like these things that you just replay in your mind all of that stuff like stop that's what this energy of today is is like stop cut it out 
because you're putting that person in that fantasy, that that vision that you keep playing on your head, you're putting it on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is what is what you're doing, right? And you are the only person that belongs on that that pedestal. Like, that pedestal is for you. Yes. Yes, that pedestal is for you. And I mean, I would, I honestly, I wouldn't even say that because like then like we put ourselves like in the space of like not being human, really like our humanity is for us. Our humanity, you know, our humanity, your humanity is like the most important thing. And then I would say like the second most important thing is like having that discernment process around like what you need to like soothe your humanity and like to be embraced with yourself. And with other people. Yeah, I love that. I feel like, right, again, like, this is so aligned. Uh, so aligned. I love it. And I feel like, I feel like people, like, if you're dating, uh, and maybe just in general, just need to stay off social media. Like, if you're, if there's someone new in your life, like, don't stalk their social media. Like, there's a, there's a time and a place. And it is a double-edged sword, because I know that there are some things that can be found out through social media that you may not have found out otherwise. And also, like, it doesn't leave room for that, like, mystery for that romance and for just uncovering things in an organic way. And I think, again, this comes from, like, the anxiety that's been imbued in us through, like, all of these systems that we live in, along with that push for logic and analysis, right? Well, and and it, it really is, like, it's a safety mechanism, or people, well, if I know everything about you, everything, quote unquote, right? Because we all post on social media, not all of us, but like, you know, most of us post on social media about our personal lives. If I know everything about you, that means I can't get hurt. And part of the process of like dating and relating, whether it's something that ends up being long-term or not, is getting hurt. Like you can't avoid getting hurt ever. It's part of the human experience. And it sucks, but it is, you you can't avoid that part because it's part and parcel of like, if you're going to love deeply, you are also going to get hurt deeply. I think there's like a, you know, like a saying or whatever that like the, the people who love you the most will hurt you the most, which is absolutely true. And yes, yes, hopefully we're all trying to do less harm, but there's no, no harm. You don't get out of this lifetime. You don't get out of being human with no harm. You don't. You don't. It's it's just not the way that this human experience is, as much as we'd like to. And it's just like... Right. I feel for people who are afraid of getting hurt. I was was once that person. Don't get me wrong. But the more like the thing that you fear the most is the thing that happens a a lot right yeah like like you manifest it into your life but it's just like you said it's unavoidable it's it will happen and so you can avoid it in all the circumstances you want to try to but when it does happen you want to know how to handle it right? right you'll lose yourself in that in that pain in that anguish and it's it's so much better. And I know this comes from my like years of doing shadow work in general. It's it's better to to know mm-hmm. to do to do the thing to and move through it and heal it and come out the other side and be like, I can do that. Yeah, like it's okay if I get hurt. It's okay that I've been hurt. Because here's the thing: 
you you look on social media, you're stalking someone on social media, and with this idea of if I know everything about you, then I won't get hurt. And I mean, aside from just being absolutely false, you're hurting yourself in the process of doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Just it's such a. I mean, honestly, it's it's quite a mind suck to to do that. And I, and I'll, just side note, having your friends do it for you is the same thing. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you are the one doing it. <laughs> yes, having your friends do it for you is the same thing. It's it's not worth it. It's not worth it. You're either going to hurt yourself in the process by finding out something that you don't want to, or you're or you're just you're going into a potential relationship if that's what you're looking for with like, you know, what what happens if you scroll through someone's social media and you everything that you see there you like? Mm-hmm. You you like it and you're like, wow, this person could really be the one they could they could be this person I spend my life with or they could be this person I I'm in relationship with you've started that relationship go like with the idea that they might not be a person for you and then you're like oh yeah they're cool yeah that energy is just oh it's so it's so icky to me it's just very Right, because then it, happens, yeah. it puts them on that pedestal and what happens when they fall because they're going to, they're cute. Yeah. They're human, they're going to fall, you know? And, or like, and, and that's, I feel like, right, like we do have this, like, again, this like binary, it's very like black and white, the way that we view everything these days or a lot of things these days because it's like, well, you're the, the one, quote unquote, you're the one for me. <laughs> but what happens when you have your first fight or what happens when they do something that surprises you and not in like the good way, right? Like then all of a sudden it's just like, well, maybe you're not the one. I mean, maybe they're not, or maybe they're just human, right? Like it's just kind of, yeah. and you know, I wanna, I wanna touch on like, you know, in terms of like fear, whether that's fear of getting hurt or just fear in general, like, like fear is a human emotion. It's never going away. It will always be there. It's, it's less for me. It's less about like eradicating fear because you can't. It's just part of the human experience, but more about like bolstering your courage to do the things that you want to do. I don't want to say like push through the fear because I, in like my own personal life, am divesting from pushing and hustle culture, which is something that I absolutely grew up in and like totally subscribe to because I am very driven and like, you know, very ambitious, but like, but like the, we can have a gentleness around courage that is not about pushing past the fear, but about holding the fear, giving ourselves grace. And while holding that fear, moving forward anyways. Mm-hmm. You're speaking my love language right now. I love it. <laughs> it's very like, I I always liken the ego which is where fear comes from the ego fear you know they're they're a piece of you they're an aspect of you it's your ego's job it's fear's job to keep your safe and it, they do a good job right that's yes. that's what they're there for and i always i liken it it's it's a piece of you like you said it's not going anywhere and i'm i don't like this idea of push past it push past ego push past fear and i don't like it because 
when you are in relationship with yourself or with someone else, if you were in a relationship with the human, would you push past them all the time? Would you not communicate with them all the time? Like that's not a healthy relationship, right? So if you don't desire that in a relationship with another human, why are you doing that to in relationship with an aspect of yourself, of your being? Yes. Yes. I mean, even the definition of courage, like I'm a big word nerd. I'm a big word nerd. So I looked up the definition of courage, but it is the ability to do something that frightens one. It's not about like eradicating fear. It's about doing the thing, even though you're afraid. Right. So courage is not about like getting rid of fear or letting go of fear. It's just saying, hey, I'm afraid and I'm going to do this thing anyways. I love that. If someone, I'm just thinking like, how does someone know that they are showing maybe toxic or harmful behaviors in their relationship, even with themselves in the, you know, in the beginning of a relationship, like we talked about either with themselves or with their partner. I mean, how would, if someone's listening to this and they're like, how do I know if that's, if I'm, if I'm doing not doing the right things doing how do I know if I'm being harmful Mm -hmm. so I remembered what I was going to say and I feel like as a society we're in this liminal space of like letting go of the shackles of like stoicism and being unemotional and like moving towards more towards like these vulnerable relationships and and right like when we're in this liminal space it can be so easy to swing from like one end all the way over to the other end, which is kind of where I think we are right now. We're on this like pendulum swing, yeah. right? Of the two opposite ends of the spectrum. And in order to, what I've found helpful in order to kind of like lessen that pendulum swing is to, I mean, be aware of, you know, your behaviors or your feelings, your emotions and all of that. And also giving it a container like giving it a structure that's that's really like what our brains are meant for right like these safety pieces yes for survival and also like our logic our analysis skills are meant to create this container around all of the things that are in our hearts so like for instance when I was going through my anxiety around my partner that I live with now like not texting me right like I literally I literally had a panic attack one day because I was so anxious and I had to be like okay I need to let myself feeling feel these feelings because they're they're here, they're present. And like, I can't just like, like, I, there's no good, conti- like, there's no good space for me right now to like, just sit down and be with them in the way that I need to be with them. So I just need to take the day. But I gave myself like a time limit. I was like, I get like six hours to just be in my deep feels about this. And then I need to go do something else. Because I feel like when you're in this space of like discerning and moving through and like, being in this kind of like, I want to be vulnerable. I want to feel my feelings. And also like I have a life and a job and the things that I have to do that are not involved with these feelings. Like give yourself a time limit, give yourself a container and it can be as long or as short as you want it to be. And just allow yourself to be in those feelings and then go do something else. Cause we can't constantly be in the anxiety or the fear but we also can't like constantly be pushing past and driving through it, right? But in terms of toxic behavior, so this is like semi-related, right? It really is like coming back to, and this, a lot of this is my psychology background, but I say, look at your, look at your history. Look at the family that you grew up in or the household that you grew up in. Look at how your caretakers or your parents or whoever your like main relational people were as a child were like 
how were they in relationship growing up? Like it matters because we learn how to relate to other people by rote. This is not something our parents sit us down and teach us. We're not taught this in school. I find that kind of funny because I, I see people all the time, specifically around attachment theory, but other like relational things be like, why didn't we, why weren't we taught this in school? This would have been so helpful. And I'm like, well, that's not how we work. But like also, but we learn by rote. We learn how to interact with other people by our parents modeling or our caretakers modeling now for us. So look at that. Be aware of and start to, again, this is where the analysis and the logic comes into play. Analyze your behavior. Like how, how did you treat your partner today? Or how do you treat your partner when you're angry or frustrated or, you know, sad or whatever, you know, emotions when you're not centered, right? Because not everything's perfect. So like, it's easy to be kind and compassionate and gracious and forgiving when we're in a good place. But what, what are your behaviors when you're out of money, when you're angry, when you've had a bad day and really analyze that and look at it from, you have to like step outside of yourself and take that third person perspective. Because sometimes that's not you're not always the best. You're not the best human. You're not the best human all the time, period. And when you are aware of it, that's when you can start taking steps to change that behavior. And this is not about like being perfect or Zen or centered all the time. It is about like taking that pause and saying, yeah, I'm angry. And you know what I need right now is to go like crawl into a cave and be by myself so like, I love you and I can't talk to you right now because it's just not going to end well for either of us. I love that. It's so true. Again, it just comes back to communication. Mm-hmm. Communication, yeah. you know, and knowing yourself, knowing your behaviors and knowing the roots of those behaviors and where they come from. Right. Because, like you said, we learn everything from our parents or caretakers, whoever we grow up with including the words that we use, right? You're not born knowing words. You're not born with these behaviors like set in stone within you. You learn them. And so they're not yours, right? And they haven't been since the moment you were born. They're not yours. They were taught to you. They were given to you. And if they don't feel aligned, it's your responsibility to notice that and to shift it to make that change and figure out what is aligned for you on your own and with a partner Mm -hmm. well and yeah and so I fully believe that we are born in love right like we at our essence like human beings are love and and we need to expand what that means right because in our society today we're taught that love is kind of this like squishy pink like fluffy unicorn cloud right but if you really look at the multifacetedness of love. Like love is also when a mom yells at her kid for crossing the street without looking both ways. Yep. Love is also, you know, like I, I have two dogs, so I have to like train my dogs because they're pit bulls and make sure that they are on their best behavior because it is dangerous for them not to be trained, right? Because of breed discrimination, which 
is another story for another day. But like, but you know, I mean, like, but that is also love, right? And like, and and that can like my the youngest puppy that we have is very headstrong and very rambunctious and has a lot of energy and is very much a puppy and like a tenacious puppy at that. And so like, I do get angry and incredibly frustrated. Not. I mean, sometimes because of my own shit, right? But but also because there's that love there because I want to make sure that he is able to have a health, happy, healthy life that will not cause somebody to like call animal services on him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and so love is expensive. And if even if you think about like romantic love, like we can go just like as human beings from the highest highs to the lowest lows with love. And that's all a part of of what we call love so we need to expand that definition outside of this like hopeless romantic you know rom-com thing that we've been taught that love isn't really look at like no love is love can be the shittiest shit and like the most angelic you know on high cloud in the atmosphere that we desire it to be but it's all love and also there's a piece here about Like giving giving ourselves the grace to not be perfect and loving, oh, that's what it was, loving other humans and loving ourselves outside of that perf- perfect definition that we've been taught that love is because there, again, it's this discernment process around, well, is this... A struggle that is I really don't want to say worth, but that's the word that's coming to mind. So I'm gonna use it. Like, is this struggle worth staying in for now? And where can this go? Like, how can this expand me as a human? How can this expand our relationship? How can this expand like our spiritual journey together? Because I think we are so quick, like as a society, to release things when they become hard. And that struggle can last for a while. It's not necessarily like we want we want things to be easy. And if we want to be in relations with other humans, it's not going to be easy we can find ease right like we can find ease Mm -hmm. but part of life and part of interpersonal relations is struggle and uh, the ease comes from saying okay we're not done processing this yet but we can be done right now and viewing and again, like releasing that binary, releasing that black and white, because it is so easy because we've been taught was how we're conditioned. But we've been taught that like, oh, well, I'm mad at you. So I need to stay mad at you. And, and everything about you is bad when I'm mad at you. But that's not true. I can be mad at you and still and we can still laugh together. You're still funny. Like, you know, I can't tell you like how many arguments. And this is something that I've had to work through myself because I, I do have tendencies towards like hyper independence because the way like the the family that I grew up in, the household that I grew up in kind of forced me to just take care of myself from a very young age. So the person that I'm safest with is me. Mm-hmm. So finding safety in relationships with other people requires more, more emotional capacity than I have sometimes. So it is like looking at like, okay, 
where is it worth it to like stay in this struggle? And I mean, you're the only one who can answer that for yourself, but like, but I, I recommend that you experiment with it. Like I usually tap out in long-term relationships around like three or four years and I'm headed into five with my current, like with my partner that I live with. And I'm like, oh, this is strange because I've never done it before. And what does this look like? Because I also feel like there are people in our lives who it can be easy with. And there are other people in our lives who really trigger those deep like childhood wounds that a lot of us have. And my partner, my live-in partner currently is one of those people who trigger like really deep childhood wounds. And I'm like, ah, shit, like what? What does this mean? And I think we've been taught to like run away from that if it's, if it's not easy if it triggers these deep childhood wounds but the only way we can really heal these things is if we're in relationship with other people there's only so much healing we can do on our own so it's like well what what is it like to stay what what does that look like how can I heal if I stay in this relationship again barring anything extreme or abuse or things like that obviously but like but like the depths of intimacy that I have found and the depths of healing that I have found in staying in this struggle and just kind of being with it have been incredibly profound because there <laughs> there are just the way that we're situated like we very deeply trigger each other's like things that we said we'd we never wanted and so it's looking at no, but there are all these good things about you and look at all of this like richness and depth that we have in our relationship. And so what does it look like now to go from, I don't want these things. Like when we, when we came together, like, you know, very early on in the, in the dating process, my live-in partner and I were like, I don't want to be, we don't, we don't want to be like our parents. Right. And now we're here five years later and it's just like, oh, okay. So there's a lot of feelings about like ending up like our parents that are happening right now. And it's like, okay, so we've decided what we don't want. And we were actively working towards like not wanting these things or not copying these things, right? Perpetuating these things. So now maybe we switch the focus to like, well, what do we want? And when we can switch that focus, that's where like that, that fork in the road happens, right? Because we're yeah. like, oh, we're here. We didn't want to be here. Well, what do we want? And what does that look like? And how do we get to the place we want to go instead of focusing on the place we don't want to go? Because you're right, like your energy goes wherever you direct it towards. So if you're directing it towards the thing that you don't want, it's going to go there because you're that's what's on top of mind. Yeah, it just changes the trajectory of what of, of where you're going, right? With your partner and you, I love that because you guys are clearly meant to expand each other. Yes, yes. And that comes with a shit ton of struggle, <laughs> right? And there are, and the thing, I think the beauty in it though, right? The beauty is that like we have these struggles and they're there. And I think we both recognize that they're longer term struggles. So I look at healing. I look at, I look at healing as like a lifelong journey. It's kind of like a spiral, right? There's always layers that get uncovered. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't, it doesn't really matter if you're doing them with a long-term partner or somebody new, they're going to come up. And they're always going to come up and there's going to be new layers and you're going to be like, oh, I thought I healed this. Why is it back? When really what you're doing is healing a deeper layer of it. Yeah. But the only way that you can do that is like by being in this struggle. And uh, struggle doesn't have to be hard. I mean, it it 
is struggle. So it is inherently hard, but it doesn't have to be the all the time thing, right? Like my partner and I love, you know, playing games together. We love, you know, discussing our days with each other. We love all of these different things about each other and our relationship, like as a relationship is incredibly liberated and free. And so like coming back to that when we are in those times of struggle and knowing that the struggle that we have is something that will constantly be uncovered as we move through the course of our relationship makes it easier to say like, okay, cool. Like we have this specific time set aside to work on our struggle. And then we're going to put that back on the shelf and remember that there's so much more to our relationship than the struggle that we're currently going through. I love that so much. I could talk to you all day. <laughs> Thank you. I could talk to you too. This is so much fun. I'm just like, this is the, this is the great, co- this is the best conversation. I love it. Oh, uh, there's so much I want to say. I just, I love that so much. And I think my personal opinion of love in the world is that we don't express it enough. It's very, we reserve love for certain people in certain circumstances. And it's just like anything outside of of that binary point of view is weird. Like you, a, a while ago, you were saying something about like cuddling with your friends and how and it's just like that's an expression of love and it's an expression of love that we so many of us don't allow ourselves because like oh it's so weird to cuddle with your friends like you're not dating that's so weird like yeah why why is it so weird to to show someone and tell someone that you love them why is it so weird to be able to fully express yourself in love with somebody anybody Yes. 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 And that, again, is that expansion of love because you're right. We have put it into this very tiny box. And I think of I'm a big Shakespeare nerd. So I think of Shakespeare and Romeo and Juliet every time, you know, that I'm, I'm thinking about love or talking about love and like how expansive it is, because there's that line that's, that Juliet says that my bounty is as boundless as the sea. My love is deep. The more I give, the more I have for both are infinite. And that is so true of love. And maybe if you want to break down love into, you know, different categories like platonic love or friend love or romantic love or whatever, fine. But like all of that is love and like Mm -hmm. love is love is love. And why, why do you feel like you have to put it in this box of like, well, I love my friends and I can only love them this way. Or I love my, you know, romantic or sexual partner and I can only love them this way. And I feel like, you know, in our current society, romantic love is the most expansive love that we've been taught. But like, why can't you hold hands with your friends? Why can't you cuddle with your friends? Like, what is it that has, I mean, I know what it is, but like, you know, why, (laughs) why? You know, why have we put this barrier around what love looks like? And it might be different for everybody. You know, like I have friends who are more traditional, like relationally. And of course, I respect those boundaries. And I have other friends who don't give a fucking shit who are a lot more like me. And we cuddle and sometimes we make out or we'll just like, you know, one of my friends from middle school just came and visited me and like he stayed with us. And I we were like cuddling on the couch and like rehashing old memories and just like it's so nice to just like hold each other and especially like with a friendship that's you know like 30 30 years long like I was just gonna say that yeah be in that comfortable space of like we get to hold each other 
and walk down memory lane and even find out things about our, ourselves and our, you know, childhood that we didn't know before. And it doesn't need to mean anything or even creating like I always I always talk about this. I actually did have a really great relationship with my taco truck guy when I lived in the San Fernando Valley, which is a suburb of like north of L.A. But like this this dude who ran the taco truck has been like one of the best relationships in my life. And that's also like taking the stigma out of the word relationship, I think is so important. Because yeah. like, yeah, was our relationship transactional? Absolutely. I went to that taco truck like, <laughs> and also though, right? Also like he loved me because he remembered and he remembered all of his customers, which was fucking mind blowing because there was a lady who went to the taco truck. She was in front of me in line. So I heard their conversation and he's like, oh, how's your brother who he hadn't seen in four years? And I'm like, how is that not love? You oh, remember somebody oh. that you haven't seen in four years that you like just gave tacos to when they gave you money, right? And he would remember like, I was going through a period where I was trying to eat more vegetables. So instead of getting my normal like tacos and nachos that I would normally get from him, he had like a off menu taco salad that he would make for me. But he remembered that I love tortilla chips. So he put extra tortilla chips in there for me. I'm like, how is this not love? Like I feel so loved and deeply cared for. Especially because like food is one of my biggest love languages. So if you love me, you feed me. Like everybody who loves me knows this. And like, I'm like getting teary, like just thinking about it because this, this man cares so much about the people that he has transactional relationships with. And how is that not intimacy? Oh, that just makes my heart so happy. Like, oh my gosh. I And you just think like, if that man shows that much love towards you and the other customers, how much love does he show the people that he has like a, a, a deeper intimate connection with? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Oh, this, my heart. It feels like it's going to explode. I just love that so much. Like when you go to the same coffee shop every day and the people yeah. know you. Ah, I love you. Relationships with these people. Yeah. I used it to live. have to be like, let's share our trauma but it can be like how are you and actually meaning it right like mm -hmm. looking them in the eye and really asking like how are you and remembering like oh hey I know you're in school how's that going or oh hey like you know I'm so sorry you know you lost your cat like can I give you a hug or can I like I don't know how can I support you through this like like we can love each other so hard even in these like transactional like like non every day or maybe not not non every day but like these non like super deep relationships and these super yeah. deep ways oh i love it it's i used to live in korea and when i lived there i went to the same coffee shop every single day then i would go to work and so i'd go there at least once a day and there was a young woman and her mom owned the the coffee shop and they didn't speak any english and so, I mean, I greeted them in Korean and, and we would have, you know, a, a little bit of conversation in Korean. My Korean is very minimal. But one day I went there and the mom, she looked at me and she said, good morning. And I, I was so, t I, yeah. the look on my face must have just been like, what? And I was shocked. And every day she would say a new English word to me. 
Oh, I love that. And I'm just like, and like she, she wanted to be able to communicate with me in English. Like she wanted to be able to say, good morning. How are you in English? Even though I could say it in Korean and we had perfectly fine conversations in Korean. She wanted to be able to do like, she did that because myself and the other foreign teachers that, that, that I taught with, we all went there every day. Mm-hmm. And, and she knew what our orders are. She would see us coming and she would have our orders ready to go. And uh, I cried so hard when I left. <laughs> when I uh, left them. When I left them. The, the, yeah. People, and I, oh my gosh. I, like, when I told them I was leaving and coming back to Canada, I just, like, bawled my eyes out. <laughs> and they were crying. And I still, you know, I'm, I'm friends with them, the daughter on social media, on Instagram. And so, like, we keep in touch. And it's just, like, that's love. Yeah. We can show love. We can create intimacy in every single interaction we have, whether we see this person for 30 seconds or see this person every day or live with this person. Like there's always, there are always opportunities for love and intimacy in every single interpersonal interaction that you have. I love it. I feel it here. Oh, this has been so like, so expansive and like, you have to go. (laughs) Yeah, I have to go. I do have to go because I have another call. But I have one. I do have another question for you. Yes. And that is, well, first of all, where do people go to find you online? How do people connect with you? And then my second question is, what does luxuriously fierce mean to you? Okay. So you can come find me on Instagram at Carrie Lou Coaching, K-A-R-I-L-U Coaching. Right now, I'm mostly offering one-on-ones, but it is not October yet. Come October, I'm going to be offering a workshop called Be Your Own Damn Soulmate. And it's really working on like breaking down these codependent behaviors that we've all been entrenched in just because of the way Western, you know, love society works, like very codependent. And it's very like celebrated that it's codependent. So like breaking out of that, breaking free from that. And uh, Oh, what does luxuriously fierce mean to me? It means living your life authentically and allowing yourself the grace to be human and having the courage to Do the things that your heart desires. Say the things that your heart desires. While being a really fucking messy human. That's what luxuriously fierce means to me. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. This is an amazing conversation. I'm so excited about it. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Hopefully we'll get to do this again soon or hang out or something, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you loved this episode or know someone who would, share it and show some love. Screenshot the episode in the app, share it to your Instagram stories along with your favorite fierce moment from the episode. And don't forget to tag me at Luxuriously Fierce Podcast. You can also subscribe, leave a review, and follow me on Instagram at Luxuriously Fierce Podcast and at Luxuriously Fierce underscore. Thank you for listening to today's episode and don't forget to tune in next week for more things Luxuriously Fierce. The Luxuriously Fierce podcast is sponsored by Goddess Support. 
an oracular online business management company providing you high-level intentional support so you can be the creative and visionary in your business. Goddess Support goes the distance that traditional business coaching doesn't. Imagine having a turnkey team of goddesses that have your back with everything from strategy to implementation. That's what's possible with Goddess Support. We exist to serve the goddess that is you, and we are honored to help fulfill your big vision. Learn more at goddess.support or find us on Instagram at goddess.support.